Hello, and welcome back to Brain Dump. Really appreciate you tuning in. It's been a while. Hope you guys are well. End of lockdown three is in sight. The weather is making quite a big difference, got to be honest, but it's definitely not been easy. Anyway, back to the episode. We're incredibly lucky to have Jessie join us on Brain Dump, and she talks us through her experiences with OCD and intrusive thoughts. And I thought she was incredibly articulate. Really fun-loving, upbeat personality, and just a great person to chat to in depth on a topic that couldn't have been easy. So really appreciate it. And uh, without further ado, here is Jesse's story. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host Connor and you're listening to Brain Dump. In a world where everything is polarised, we explore new perspectives to understand more about ourselves and the world that we live in. Well, thank you, Jesse, for coming on Brain Dump. Firstly, how have you been finding working from home? I'm kind of done, to be honest. It's really nice in some respects. Like if you wake up on a Monday and you're shattered, it's nice. But I think, yeah, for the most part, especially as I'm in the events team, this is not what I do. I don't run Zoom events. Like, this uh-huh. is not what I signed up for. I mean, I can't complain. What about you? How are you finding it? Uh, it's been all right. I'm a massive introvert, so I don't think I find it too hard. But I'm so done with Zoom calls at this point, and I'm starting to look forward to a commute. Does that sound weird? I'm the exact same, because it's like that time either side where you naturally switch off, you now don't have it. Like, I'm mm. eating. Even if I'm doing, like, meditation, I'm doing it at the seat that I work uh-huh. to eat at. It's just like, I need more chairs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot like you. I can certainly relate. I'm just done with the monotony. Everything's getting really, really boring at this point. Uh, I'm normally like a big exercise freak, but I have one pair of dumbbells and I'm just tired of picking them up and putting them down. Just need to mix things up at this point. I think when the weather gets better, we'll get a bit of a new lease of life. But Mm -hmm. it's just this weird... And we're in limbo at the moment, aren't we? Because we know that we'll be allowed out soon, but it's still quite a while... And it just, yeah, it's a bit of an awkward period, isn't it? But yeah, Jesse, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. I've been following Bigger Than My for some time now. So I really think what you're doing is such a great thing. And I fully advocate for all the uh, posts that you put on Instagram. Now, before we get into the show, I normally ask guests three random questions just to get more of a flavor of who you are and what you're about. So, if you could only eat one cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. And as an overthinker, I'm probably going to spend about 20 minutes thinking about (laughs) it. But I'm going to go with, I think, Thai, purely because I feel like there's a real variety. If you want something heavy, you could have it. If you want something light, you could have it. Yeah, Thai. Although kind of long to cook, so that's assuming that someone would make the food for me. But yeah, <laughs> that's uh, a strong answer. I think I would have probably gone either Thai or Italian. Yeah, Italian. But I feel like that is kind of my diet anyway. Just <laughs> pizza and pasta. <laughs> question number two, bit of a deeper question: What is your relationship with forgiveness like? I am a very forgiving person sometimes maybe too forgiving I often find that if I'm holding a grudge or I'm upset with someone it's probably weighing me down more than it's weighing them down um but I think as I'm getting older I'm more of a 
forgive but you know move on and you don't have to foster a relationship with everyone but don't don't let things weigh you down that's a nice philosophy actually that you don't have to foster a relationship with someone but forgive okay last question what is the one thing that you've learned about yourself over lockdown i have learned that i i'm a lot stronger than i thought definitely and i've also learned that and i'm sure we'll get into this the the work that i put into getting my own brain better is massively paying off finally um, because I've had lots of time to work on it in lockdown I almost feel like I can face a lot more than I thought I could it's taught me that for sure brilliant well that's really really good to hear okay well we'll, we'll get into it now so you run a Instagram account called bigger than my just give us a brief flavor or understanding what it's about so <laughs> I think it's probably important firstly to say for me when I was kind of on my mental health journey recovery journey whatever you want to call it a massive thing that helped me was realizing that I wasn't alone and actually lots of other people whilst our own situations are unique lots of other people were were having similar experiences and it just it was a complete weight was lifted off my shoulders when I started listening to podcasts and reading about people with similar experiences. So I thought, why not start a platform where people could share their stories with like-minded, supportive people? And yeah, that's where it kind of grew from. It took me months to actually have the ball to <laughs> like press publish almost. I had the idea for a few years, but in lockdown, I thought, what else are you doing, you know? <laughs> Honestly, it's really fantastic to hear the motivation behind it. If you could just give us an understanding of your mental health journey and what's sort of been the backstory. Sure. It's been a, a bumpy road, I think. Um, I guess it's probably important to say, so my mental health journey, in inverted commas, was I had kind of epiphanies along the way that have got me to where I am now so if I kind of look back right now at where I think my mental health there, there were signs that my mental health wasn't great I look back and when I was like I don't know eight or nine I was doing sort of really repetitive compulsive things so I was counting the number of syllables in sentences and if you know they weren't a certain number something bad would happen I thought something bad would happen I couldn't look at cars when they were driving past because I thought if I look at a car it's then going to crash because I've looked at it so don't look at the car but when you're a kid you don't know what that means or you know you don't know anything you've got nothing to compare it to so I cracked on like just you know live my life and then kind of as a teenager I was quite an anxious person but quite outgoing so again I just thought oh maybe you know maybe everyone has anxiety maybe everyone struggles carry on you know there's nothing around me that's saying this is wrong at this point I don't know what a mental health condition is so I carry on get to uni um, and I think like a lot of people the stress of that was huge I start having these really weird thoughts basically kind of about 
my my health mainly about my health but again I don't know what this means so I just deal with them I say deal with them not deal with them at all like (laughs) completely falling apart but just again not knowing what they are Uh and yeah in in short kind of a couple of years ago it all came to light that those thoughts I've been having forever and these weird compulsions were OCD and intrusive thoughts so it's, it's been a wild ride I didn't know what OCD and intrusive thoughts were at all until a couple of years ago and actually I'd been told years before that it was anxiety I, I was like yeah you're an anxious person you have anxiety doctors telling me that so that's what I thought and actually whilst it is under the umbrella of anxiety it was actually something quite different that that I was dealing with. And when did you get this diagnosis when did you know that it was particularly OCD and intrusive thoughts? So I you know I, I miss out a year because we've been in lockdown for a year I say two years but I probably mean three I was getting really bad again what I thought was anxiety at work mainly around like I kept thinking I was gonna pass out and I was obsessed with this thought that I might pass out or something bad was gonna happen to me at work and my boss at the time was kind of clocking on to this and she'd been through a similar experience not with OCD but with her mental health and she said why don't you go and see someone why don't you speak to someone so I did I'd never spoke I'd spoken to doctors before but I'd never spoken to a therapist a psychiatrist before and at the beginning so I went through therapy for about a year being treated for health anxiety so they're like yeah it's health anxiety um what you need to do every time you think you know something bad's going to happen to you around your head try and break down the thoughts so I'm there like okay yep doing you know all the CBT homework like yeah breaking down the thoughts and then I'm thinking oh my god I'm doing this but I'm now so entangled in the thoughts is this right like is is this what it's meant to be it wasn't it turns out like a year (laughs) after that um, and, and the same therapist who was absolutely amazing But because I didn't really know what I was meant to tell her and what I was meant to flag, I'd sort of been misdiagnosed, if that makes sense. And she's like, hang on a minute. I think I know what's going on. And honestly, when she said it was OCD, it was like, it sounds really weird. It's like the best day of my life. I cannot believe like everything she was telling me. It's like, you, you you are telling me about myself. I cannot believe that there's actually a name for this and yeah so it's been a bit of a wild ride yeah it sounds it as if you were misdiagnosed and the treatment that you were prescribed let's say wasn't helping i mean was it would you say making things worse totally making things worse <laughs> so i but again I, I don't blame the person that i was seeing because because I didn't know what OCD was, I wasn't, I don't, I'm not sure if I was maybe telling her the right things. So it was kind of like, she's like, you know, if you are having stressful thoughts about your health, you should write them down and then you should, we'll give you two weeks. And after two weeks, you can call a doctor. (laughs) So I'm there like obsessively noting down all of this stuff. I'm keeping a bloody Excel spreadsheet, (laughs) which is the worst thing I could have done. But actually, 
there were other thoughts I was having that I wasn't telling her. And I think actually if I'd have flagged those intrusive thoughts, she might have been like, ah, this is not just health anxiety, but I was probably carrying a lot of shame with those. Mm-hmm. So just, just didn't flag it. But yeah, initially the treatment wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that you can laugh about it now, I guess. Got to. <laughs> well, I think that's a really healthy and positive way to look at it. Now, forgive my ignorance, but how does an intrusive thought differ from, well, let's say a normal thought? So, and again, it's probably good to stress that I'm just talking about my own experience. So this is not a professional kind of definition of an intrusive thought. But for me, I kind of see it as you have thoughts throughout the day that are helpful and help you to get through the day and function, i.e. I've got to do this email now, I've got to make lunch now. And you have thousands of those every day. But you also have thoughts that are uninvited. So thoughts and and ones that I say that I think people find more relatable than the absolutely insane ones I have. (laughs) Like when you're standing on a bridge for example and you might be taking a photo sometimes you get that thought that's like throw your phone in the river like (laughs) why why don't you just dash your phone over the edge and it's like things like that that we all probably get and things that you think oh you know that's a bit weird but the way that my brain would differ from someone who doesn't suffer with OCD is that if I have an unpleasant thought that might get stuck and it might then fester and um, be there for years, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if if not, if kind of I don't identify it. No, of course. And you were saying that when you got the diagnosis, you found it kind of liberating. Is that correct? How come? It's really hard to explain if you maybe haven't sort of been through something similar. But before you know what an intrusive thought is, you you believe the thoughts you're having so you don't think oh it's it's an intrusive thought you think I think it's so it must be true and I used to obsess over that saying I think therefore I am I was like well that's a famous saying so if I'm thinking it it must be true but it was when I kind of started learning about intrusive thoughts it was like oh yeah my thoughts are separate from me I can't control them they just you know they just pop into my head constantly that's not who I am and actually learning that if I'm terrified of these thoughts surely that's not me I'm not enjoying it Mm -hmm. like so yeah to even give it a name was just like wow (laughs) this is a thing you must have found things really difficult not knowing why you were thinking these things, not knowing why you're obsessing over certain thoughts. Was it particularly tough? Absolutely horrendous. It, and it was like, you know, I can be quite lighthearted about it, but there was a period, I'm in my late 20s now, my early 20s, where I didn't know what intrusive thoughts were. I thought they were real and I didn't know how I was going to function in in my normal life. It's like your brain has completely turned against you. There's some really dark moments with them. If you don't know how to identify them, it's it's awful. I can imagine that being really difficult. Something that really stands out for me was, so usually for me, I'll call it a flare up, but I have a, a bad flare up with intrusive thoughts when I'm really stressed. I think I was like 21 and I had this 
ridiculous job every time I was on summer or Easter break I had this events job where I would literally go and work 16 hour days for the whole time I was off because I was like I've got no money so let's just let's just do it and I feel like at that age I wasn't in tune with like you know this could be detrimental to your health I was just like oh it's cash in my pocket I'll just do it I was working at this job and I think I'd done like 17 or 18 days in a row of those shifts. And I remember thinking, I am dead on my feet here. But I had a family holiday after. So I was like, it'll all be fine. Like You'll go on this holiday and you'll feel okay. And I'd been having intrusive thoughts to do with my health for a few years before that. But on the trip, it just came to a head to the point where I just thought, I'm going mad. But need of a better word it was absolutely horrific I kind of convinced myself that I had a really serious illness but to the point where it was like I've got a really serious illness and I probably won't make it out alive that sounds so so difficult my heart goes out to you you mentioned that stress was a particular trigger are there other triggers or is it mainly stress that causes these flare-ups I'm really good at recognising things in hindsight. I'm really bad in the moment. (laughs) So I just, it's like one of those things, like you know what's good for you, but you just don't do it. It is usually stress. But the, the thing that I find quite difficult is that I go quite far into a period of intrusive thoughts and OCD flare up before I actually realise what's going on if I'm really stressed so I I will always get the thoughts but if I'm not stressed I can accept them and move on but if I am stressed it's like I don't have the brain capacity to ignore it it just becomes all-consuming I don't have the strength to use the techniques that I now have to to get through it and then before you know it you're too far in so stress for me is yeah number one trigger for sure So you mentioned you've got some techniques. So let's say you've got your diagnosis. Then what happened? How did you start to manage and control it a bit better? So I had to unlearn everything I'd learned initially about having (laughs) scary thoughts. So that was fun. But to be honest, a a really key thing for me was actually learning about what they were and, and separating me from those thoughts. So even just learning that you are not your thoughts, you cannot control them. It was like, oh yeah, you know, why, why didn't I know this sooner? Um, And instead of getting fixated on thoughts, it was about knowing, okay, you know, the thought is here, it's present in your head, but you have to notice other things around you. And something I always try and say is if I'm thinking I'm anxious, if I say I'm anxious, It's like, I am anxious, but I'm also other things. So, you know, I'm having this intrusive thought, but I'm also doing my work. I'm also having a nice cup of coffee. I'm also doing 10 other things. This thought is not the be all and end all. And just being so disciplined with that mentality has really, really helped me. Oh, I completely agree. Not that I've ever suffered from OCD but I can think a lot of self-loathing thoughts. And if I get fixated, I can have a particularly dark downward spiral. So knowing that I'm not my thoughts can really allow me to have that space. 
it sounds incredibly mindful. Is that something that you've sort of embodied? Totally. So I was recommended mindfulness after my therapy had ended. And at that time was like, it's a load of rubbish. All it is, is just sitting there and doing nothing. But it's so not. So <laughs> not. And genuinely, it's the best tool that I have to enable me to get through this because so the nature of my OCD is more sort of pure OCD so it's not things you might see people doing like if they have a thought they have to carry out an action in order for the the sort of scary part of that thought not to come true whereas mine is sort of mental compulsions and and checking bodily sensations things like that and mindfulness has just been incredible and actually like I said having the discipline to sit there with the thoughts with no distractions has been really powerful yeah having the discipline to sit there with the thoughts has been absolute game changer because I'm now not scared of them anymore and before it was like the thoughts are coming it's this huge wave oh my god but now it's like it's a thought let it be you know use the mindfulness techniques that you have yes i'm hoping to become a mindfulness teacher at some point oh nice i actually finished my mindfulness diploma back in november so it sounds like we're on very similar paths i get the impression there's a level of acceptance of these thoughts it's almost as if the fear of the thoughts themselves is what kept you trapped in them is that sort of correct that's pretty much hit the nail on the head and I use so many analogies something that my therapist said at the time some thoughts are sticky so they they come into your brain and some sort of sail through and you know out the other side some come in and they get stuck and you can either accept that okay this is a a particularly tricky thought but we're it, it will go eventually or you can start feeding it with more worry compulsions in the sense of OCD. So if it's about an illness, check, you know, check the body sensation. And, and people can have really, really disturbing thoughts with OCD. And the nature of it is that a lot of the time they're quite taboo. So it's so easy to feed it with more uncertainty and, and, and more scary thoughts. But I really, really try not to do that. I don't have a hundred percent success rate with this. Like it's something that I'm living with, but acceptance and not feeding it is really valuable. I mean, that sounds really, really difficult, and like you said, requires a lot of self-discipline. Does it become a lot of hard work? Yeah, it's really hard work. And actually, like I don't mind saying the start of the end of last week to the start of this week, I found myself in a really rough patch again. And people that have sort of scary, intrusive thoughts will know that when they pop up, it's like you just freeze and you think, oh my God, you know, they're here again. And it's so scary and all consuming. And then you think, oh, I've now got to start that period of trying to get through the other side. And it's very draining and and sometimes you kind of get that niggling thought that why me you know some people can just go through life day to day seeming super chilled but I have to adopt this kind of discipline into my day-to-day life to be able to function it can be a bit well not a bit draining it is draining yeah I feel like I can relate to that like you said at the beginning I feel like although we're on 
different paths, different journeys, there are definitely similarities. And I almost sort of live by the mantra that self-love is self-discipline. And there is a degree of work that needs to be put in. Like if you don't feed yourself properly, you're going to get ill. If you don't do your meditation, your mindfulness practices, your mental health's going to wobble. It's clearly an incredible journey that you've been on and you seem very positive about it now and almost as if everything you take in your stride. But has there been any friends or family that have supported you along the way? Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky because I have a super supportive family anyway. But I think it's a lot easier to be a young woman that's just a warrior to, you know, instead be actually you've got OCD and it's kind of weird. (laughs) So I try, I don't think I fully open up to family. They're there for me for moral support, totally, you know, really supportive with moral support. And my brother has actually had kind of mental health issues of his own. So we're really open with each other. But what I would say for me is like, having that support there is brilliant. But with my thoughts, I I like to tackle it on my own. I like to know that I've got people there for me. so important and I vocalise it when I'm not feeling good. But with some thoughts, I try not to give them particular attention by vocalising them. Absolutely. And you said earlier that some thoughts had shame attached to them. How do you process those ones? Because that must be so difficult to navigate. Yeah, I mean, knowing that other people have them was a massive step. And I talk about her on the page, but there's an account called Obsessively Ever After who kind of breaks down all the different types of thoughts that people have. But before you know what an intrusive thought is or you know that you have OCD, you just think it's real. And and something that I don't mind talking about is I went over a speed bump a couple of years ago and I was like driving back and it's like this thing in my head that could have been a person so then normal person thinks that wasn't a person you know keep driving OCD person it's like that could have been a person you just don't remember so then you drive around the block and you go back no person on the road but it's still not enough so then you check the news has someone been run over in my area and it gets completely out of control but with those kind of thoughts again I'm good in hindsight saying it But at the time, how do you say to someone, oh, I think I ran someone over, but I know I didn't, but I think I might have. It it sounds so crazy to someone that's never had that kind of thought. Mm -hmm. So and some people do get really shameful thoughts. And it's something that I'm scared of for the future because you don't know what's to come. But I think if you're scared of those sorts and you don't want them, it's not you you know it's not you what do we expect when you know i'm watching random true crime documentaries before bed every night like (laughs) these things these thoughts are going to happen we constantly have this stimulus around us it can be tricky it's interesting you brought up the point about stimulation because back when i started meditation and mindfulness a lot like yourself i didn't really get it i thought it was a bit hippie but the thing that I did benefit the most from was the removal of stimulation. I wasn't using my phone. I wasn't getting input or bombarded with information. Do you think overstimulation has contributed to stress and your OCD? Yeah, definitely. And and I think 
a really beneficial thing with the meditation and mindfulness is that you actually realize how many thoughts you have in one mindfulness practice about having hundreds of thoughts but why is it that out of every thousand one gets stuck it doesn't have to be that way like we're all thinking all the time and if you just observe them you, you begin to realize that your brain is so busy and and it's no wonder that these things are happening to us so god i, I think it's hugely beneficial we could do a whole podcast talking about it i'm sure <laughs> yeah definitely i think all my colleagues and friends think i'm like a meditation salesman at this point i'm so annoying as well like i'll literally be in the car with my boyfriend and be like let's just stop and look at the sky and observe it he's like i just want to go home <laughs> <laughs> so how did you start your mindfulness journey were there any apps that you engaged in or any other means so controversial but i didn't like the app I'm so sorry to say <laughs> that the apps didn't work for me. Um, and I think the problem was that there was so much hype around the apps that it sort of became an overwhelming stimulus and a, a kind of form of social media and being on your phone and, and whatnot. So actually, I kind of started with just doing sort of things on YouTube and really small mindful, like short mindfulness practices. And then I... So I started looking into it a bit more, reading into it a bit more, and then recently did an MBSR course. And so I'm coming to, like towards the end of the eight weeks of that. And that sort of made me adopt it with a bit more discipline and a, and a bit more routine. Because I think before I was using it as a tool, like, ah, I'm stressed, quickly, do a mindfulness practice. But that's not the point. So yeah, I've become a lot more disciplined. Mm -hmm. I would say <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I was exactly the same I really didn't get on with the apps mainly because I didn't like a lot of the voices and it was actually one of my mates who would drag me to a live class but it's like you say it's not a response thing it's a everyday thing it's something that you realize there's a lot of background spillover for just reminding yourself to be mindful in everyday moments I completely agree and I think the real practice isn't on the mat and um, wanky mindfulness stuff it's like it's the day-to-day -day. it's when you start realizing because I was the same I went to sort of live meditation so going to meditation studios and things like that which was great but when you start adopting it in your day-to-day -day life that's when you think ah oh, yes it's working and that's the game changer when you mm -hmm. when you start to see it in, in your behavior yeah but not easy though i still spend an inordinate amount of time lost in thought oh i mean i think we'll i'll always be like that but it's it's, it's like little things that you notice you know if something stresses you out at work for example it's called the three-step breathing space but kind of stopping in your tracks observing how you feel taking your breather and sort of stepping out of that feeling I'm sort of doing that automatically now and it's probably good for colleagues because I'm not jumping to conclusions every 20 minutes <laughs> I'm actually stopping for a second yeah hugely beneficial it sounds like we've come at it from very different angles I'm getting the impression that you're almost being bombarded with thoughts and have used mindfulness to slow this down and really accept the thoughts and move past them where for me 
I often feel incredibly disconnected from myself. Like I have these emotions that are underlying under the surface that I can't quite interpret. When mindfulness has really allowed me to sit down with them, label them and accept them. And I feel a lot more connected with myself since using mindfulness. Whereas before I felt completely disillusioned with who I really was or what I was really feeling. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because so that part of the MBSR course, that kind of labeling thoughts, emotions, feelings, I found really easy mm-hmm. because I'm always overanalyzing how I feel. But, you know, not to generalize, but a lot of the guys on the course found that really difficult. So when the when the practitioner's like, you said you feel stress, how does that feel in the body? And you've got guys like, uh, I don't know, like I just knew I was stressed. <laughs> She's like, no, but how, how does it feel? They're like, stop asking me, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting to see the contrast. Yeah, I genuinely think it's a practice that everyone should at least try. And I think everyone would benefit by incorporating a little bit into their daily life. Or maybe that's just a meditation salesman in me speaking. You can sign up to my course at www. (laughs) As we can tell, you've clearly come a long, long way. But are there any other practices that perhaps you do on a weekly basis that really benefit your mental health? Cliche, but exercise, number one. Exercise for me. And I think it's just important to say, like, just do the exercise that you like doing and that you enjoy. I think when, before I got into, so I I cycle, I do road cycling. um, And before I got into that, it was like, oh, maybe I should just do the hit exercises that all the girls are doing on Instagram and like get going through it and just hating every second of it. And then I started cycling and at the age I did it, all my friends started taking the piss out of me. And now we're in COVID and everyone's got a bike. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's about finding that thing that just gets you out of your head. So yeah, for me, it's, it's cycling, it's going for walks and, and actually just knowing that alone time isn't that selfish either. I've really learned that in lockdown, that having precious alone time every week is amazing for you so you don't have to cram your diary with plans actually having just yeah downtime to process the week or whatever has been hugely beneficial and I'll definitely keep that up post lockdown I completely agree with everything you just said I think we all have a massive misconception on what we think we should be doing to keep fit when reality is just what you find fun. It's just about moving your body and engaging in that way. And I also completely agree with you on that alone time. It sounds strange thinking about spending time on your own when we're all locked down and isolated as it is. But having that time to yourself just to be able to reflect and just spend time with yourself can be so so beneficial and some of the most restorative times I've had over lockdown have just been me walking in nature with the dogs. Totally agree and I think actually in lockdown it's almost been even more important because I found I've been completely overwhelmed with communication from other people because my phone is constantly going, my email's constantly going. We had more natural breaks when life was normal walking to work you know whatever it was we had those natural pauses but now I feel completely bombarded all the time I think you're spouting a lot of wisdom there Jesse so how can people find out 
a little bit more about you how can they find your account that sort of thing so uh, on instagram it's underscore bigger than my if you want to kind of share your story drop me a line connor has shared a story he is a star of bigger than my <laughs> um it, it does i can say firsthand it helps to write these things down sometimes and it's quite a cathartic experience i guess but yeah like i'm always happy you know i can't give advice but i can always chat about my own experiences with people so yeah if you ever want to chat drop me a dm because I'm, I'm happy to amazing well thank you jesse you've been an absolute star and it's been an absolute pleasure to have on the show so thank you so much thank you How awesome was Jesse? I hope you guys enjoyed that because I certainly did. It's lovely to meet another mindfulness practitioner. So that does it for this episode. If you want to reach out, you have an idea for the show or you want to share something on the Braindump Facebook group, please do so. More than happy to hear your ideas. If you like the episode, please like and share it in all places that it can be found. I'd really, really appreciate it and it helps the show out a lot. But in the meantime, please take care of yourself. Get some mindfulness in your life and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.